This episode, we talk about some of the latest updates in the COVID-19 situation. My name is Jacqueline, and I'm just an American. In spite of the continued and frequent fear-mongering from leftist news organizations and people like Dr. Fauci, as more COVID vaccines are administered across the country, life is starting to return more to a sense of normalcy for a lot of people. After a full year of closures, the school district in my area is now open for hybrid learning. Driving around in the evenings, it is so nice to see baseball and soccer fields once again lit up with children engaged in practice. My husband and I went out to dinner the other night in a restaurant that is located at an outdoor mall, and the place was absolutely packed. There are a few things that I want to talk about today as people around the country start getting back to their normal lives. First of all, I think it is really interesting to see how people are acting who have been vaccinated, who have followed the CDC guidelines for the last year almost to a T. According to the CDC, if you have been vaccinated, you are still supposed to refrain from doing a lot of the activities you were doing before, such as being around large groups, and you are still supposed to wear a mask even when around non-vaccinated people. While the CDC has green-lighted traveling for people who were vaccinated, Dr. Fauci came out in an interview in Business Insider last week to say that he still would not travel, still wouldn't dine in an indoor restaurant, or go to a movie even. My first question is, why Fauci and so many of these other health experts are demonstrating such a lack of confidence in their vaccines? We are told that these vaccines are 95% effective at preventing you from getting COVID. We are also told that they are essentially 100% effective at preventing you from being hospitalized or dying of COVID if you do contract it, if you're in that 5% that still ends up contracting it with the vaccine. And yet the same people touting them are saying that they still don't feel that this is good enough to engage in life as normal. Now, I have said this entire time, people need to make their own assessment of risk and make the choices that they see best for themselves. So on that level, Fauci can and should do whatever he feels comfortable with. But as the man who the public has been looking to for guidance over the last year, as the man who is trying to tell people to get vaccinated, these messages from him are a bit disturbing. It seems that for these health experts, the risk they are searching for is zero. And that is not realistic, nor is it healthy for society or for individual Americans. If we go by Fauci's level of when things will be safe, you will be living in at least a semi-quarantine situation for the rest of your life, which isn't really all that surprising if you have been paying attention. 15 days to slow the spread has turned into over a year of them wanting you to stop living your life, and it isn't anywhere close to being over yet. We now have a vaccine. We are getting closer and closer to a place in the United States where anyone 16 and older who wants a vaccine can get it. And that still isn't good enough for them to talk about life back to normal. Is there anyone who doesn't laugh when they say everyone just needs to hold on for another four to six weeks and then we will be in the clear? It's like these people have never heard of the story of the boy who cried wolf. Now, another thing that has been interesting to observe is how people are acting who have been following these guidelines to a letter over the last year who aren't really following them anymore now that they're vaccinated. And really, that makes sense to me. If you have stopped your life for a year, done everything you could to keep yourself safe and now have this vaccine that they are claiming is pretty darn close to 100 percent guaranteed to prevent you from dying of covid, even if you get it, then I completely understand why you would say, well, I have done my best and now I need to live my life. My grandma said that very thing to me on Easter. She did what she could. But what is the point of spending the remaining years she has on this earth safe from COVID if she can't spend those years with her grandchildren, her children, her great grandchildren, living her life and making memories? But there is one aspect of this that I must admit I find quite ironic. 
these people are basically saying, okay, I'm not going to follow all these guidelines 100% by still wearing a mask when around non-vaccinated people or continuing to not eat in a restaurant or go to a movie because I need to make this assessment for what is right for myself and the balance I need to be able to live my life. And to these people, I say, welcome to the club. For a year, anyone who saw another human being outside of their household or dared to celebrate Christmas or arrange a play date for their kids was attacked and condemned as being selfish and living dangerously. But really, we were just making those same assessments for ourselves all along. Everything in life, every single thing is a cost-benefit analysis. Every single decision you make in your life is going to have a cost and is going to have a benefit. If you are now vaccinated and you decide to eat in a restaurant, despite what Fauci says, then you are making the cost-benefit analysis of saying that any risk you are undertaking is worth it for the ability for you to do something that you enjoy. One of the most bizarre things about this last year is the idea that anything we do in life is completely safe. When talking about COVID, they have been aiming for complete safety, but nothing is completely safe. Sitting at your kitchen table isn't completely safe, as a plane could crash into your house and kill you, or you could have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm. Fauci used to love to say over the last holiday season that everyone needed to skip last Christmas so that they would be around to celebrate the next one. But you have no guarantee of that. In fact, every year, between two and three million Americans die from a wide variety of causes. That just means there were between two and three million Americans whose last Christmas on this earth was the one that they just had. Over the last year, the people who decided to continue living their lives were making that same cost-benefit analysis. We were looking at our children and saying, the psychological harm I would do to these kids by keeping them away from anyone other than me and my husband would be far worse than the risk of COVID affecting them very badly was, according to science. We looked at our own personal risk assessment and made decisions based on that because science very clearly told us who was at a more significant risk of having a hard time with COVID and who really wasn't. And I know what the critics will say. They will say, It isn't just about you. It's about everyone. It's about the people in your life who are at a higher risk. Well, here's the thing. Many of those people chose not to see me. And the ones who were at a higher risk but still chose to see me, who am I to take that decision away from them? Who am I to tell grandparents they weren't allowed to see my children because it wasn't safe for them? Sorry, but I think that is disrespectful. I think it is disrespectful to treat grown adults as children, unable to make their own decisions. And guess what? We are all good. We acted responsibly, keeping ourselves home when we were sick and not seeing those at-risk family members if any one of us was exposed to someone who had COVID. We demonstrated full transparency at all times with the people in our lives. And here we are a year later and we are all okay. And for the people who will say, well, you just got lucky. Um, yeah. That same argument can be made about literally anything. We took a road trip to Idaho in the middle of winter and survived. We just got lucky that we didn't hit a patch of ice and crash the car, right? Nothing in life is completely safe. Everything we do has risks. What we do, though, is our best to make safe and smart decisions while still living our lives and enjoying every day. There are many, many ways in which we must act as responsible human beings in order to protect society. And yet this has been a leading question our world has had to deal with over the last year. When it comes to disease, where is that line? Where do we draw the line between protecting society and allowing people to undertake their own personal risk assessment? And maybe the best solution for us to come to is that there may not be a clear black and white answer to that question. Maybe we just don't know where that line is. And so everyone is just trying to do their best. But unfortunately, the woke scolds who decided they were the all-knowing, they did know how everyone else should be living or not living, couldn't abide by that. 
Instead, they knew best and therefore had a right to accost and condemn and even publicly shame anyone who made a different choice. But now that people who are vaccinated are coming out of their quarantines and making those decisions for themselves, they really aren't doing anything differently than what the rest of us have been doing all along. They are making their own decisions. And if those decisions aren't perfectly in line with the health experts who are still advising to basically stay home and only see one vaccinated other household at a time, they are okay with that. Welcome to the club. Another thing I want to talk about today is the idea of vaccine passports. This has been, like most things COVID-related, an idea that has generated quite a bit of controversy. The federal government has already said they will not mandate any use of a vaccine passport, but certain states and private businesses have indicated they are very open to using them. A vaccine passport is, of course, a proof that one would carry around with them to show that they are vaccinated against COVID-19. I think this idea is absolutely absurd. First of all, if you believe what they are saying about their vaccines, then what you are believing is, again, that these vaccines are basically 100% effective at preventing serious illness from a coronavirus infection. If this is true, my question is to individual Americans, why do you care if I am vaccinated or not? If you trust your vaccine, then what does it matter to you if I get it? Now, I hear all the arguments. Believe it or not, I do listen to all the things people are saying. So I know that the concern here is in mutations. I know that they are concerned that if this virus is allowed to spread too much, it could mutate to a point where the vaccines are less effective. Where have we seen that before? Oh yes, the annual flu. The reason you need a flu shot every year and a one-time shot isn't good enough to last forever isn't just because the protection wears off after a year. It is because the flu mutates and they have to alter the vaccine every year. This is the nature of these kind of viruses. Again, what these people in charge are looking for is 100% safety for 100% of the people. You simply will never achieve that. People do, after all, die of the regular flu every year. One of the best arguments I think that is out there in favor of vaccination is the argument that we must achieve herd immunity in order to protect those who, for physical reasons, cannot themselves receive the vaccine. The idea being that those people will be protected by the herd immunity in society. And I actually think that's a very good argument. However, we must ask ourselves the question, in order to achieve herd immunity, is it reasonable to mandate people inject a drug into their bodies that they do not want? I don't think that it is. I think that that is a basic human rights violation to force somebody to inject something, a, a drug, a medication or something into their body if they don't want it. That is not to say that vaccines are bad. I, my entire family is fully vaccinated for everything except for COVID-19 as of right now. And so I'm, I'm not saying that as a way to say this is why I believe all vaccines are bad. I'm just saying that I just simply do not believe that it is something that should be forced on people. Also, it is so interesting to see the my body, my choice crowd demand that people be forced to inject something into their body that they may not want. Guess that argument only works when it comes to something that you agree with and that is not universally applied. Not shocking at all. Vaccination passports will do nothing but further divide our country and quite frankly, will make people who don't want this vaccine simply dig their heels in deeper. The lack of understanding or willingness to understand why some people might not want the vaccine or even might just not want to take it right now is the biggest obstacle they face. They just don't get it and they aren't trying to get it. And therefore, they don't realize that even a perception of force on the part of those with the power to take these shots will backfire. If you believe in these vaccines and want the greatest number of people to take them as possible, the very worst thing you could do is anything that seems like you are mandating it. 
But I think another problem the nation's health leadership is having right now is that there is a serious message being sent out that they don't actually have a lot of faith in these vaccines that they are pushing on people. Aside from the fact that even with the vaccine, people like Fauci still don't believe it is safe to go back to living a normal life, there has now been two separate pauses of two separate vaccines due to safety concerns. As of this recording, the FDA and the CDC have both called for a pause in the Johnson & Johnson vaccine rollout due to potential side effects of severe blood clots. We saw in recent weeks the same pause done in Europe over the AstraZeneca vaccine. People who are choosing not to get vaccinated often are making that choice, at least in part, and for many people solely due to the fact that we do not know all of the potential and long-term side effects of these drugs. We don't know how long protection lasts. We don't know all the possible reactions people can have, and we don't know if any adverse effects will show up a year or two down the line. There is a reason why people who participate in clinical trials of these medications are monitored for at least two years. But what is fascinating to me are all of the extremely COVID conscious people making the claim that these pauses and these concerns are ridiculous because the numbers affected in these situations are astronomically small. Um, really? You know what else is astronomically small? My chance of dying of COVID. The chance of my kids dying of COVID. And yet these same people have been living in abject fear of seeing their loved ones and going outside their houses and have been keeping their small children isolated from others for over a year due to that fear. We aren't doing that. We just aren't taking a drug. A drug that, once again, if you choose to to take, protects you pretty much completely. If these health experts believed the numbers they are touting and the information they are pushing, then why in the world would a vaccinated person not be perfectly safe to dine indoors in a restaurant, get in an airplane, or go see a movie? It makes no sense. You can't get better than a 100% guarantee that you won't die of COVID. And these drug side effects concerns are serious enough for the health agencies that these people cite as God to stop administering these drugs. But those who on a personal level have voiced or shared some of the same concerns are ridiculed as anti-science, conspiracy theorists, or selfish and crazy. Maybe, just maybe, we stop attacking people for making the choices they see best for them in a very difficult situation. Is that really so hard a concept for people to grasp? Here is what I am against. Vaccine mandates. Period. Whether they are at a governmental level or at a private company or institution level, no one should be forced to inject something into their bodies that they do not want. And it is amazing, absolutely amazing to me how many of my fellow Americans actually want that to be forced on others. There are lots of petty tyrants in the world, which is why protections on individual liberty and freedom are so important. Those are not universally held values. They must be fought for and defended. One final thing I want to talk about in our COVID catch-up talk today. As people start coming out from their self-imposed quarantines, it is interesting how many articles I'm seeing about the anxiety and stress that is accompanying the idea of returning to normal life. I saw an article the other day talking about a woman who felt like she had turned into a toad over the last year. The metaphor was used to describe her feelings that she had gained weight and let her physical appearance slump, that she felt completely socially awkward, as though she simply didn't remember how to talk to people. And I thought to myself, how unbelievably sad is that? How unbelievably sad that so many people allowed the government to do that to them. I know that hindsight is twenty twenty, and that we know a lot more now than any of us did a year ago. But it has been many months now since we learned what activities were pretty safe to do to not get COVID. 
It's sad to think of the elderly people who stayed locked in their houses when they safely could have taken a drive to the beach or a lake or a park. There really was no reason to stay completely separate from one's grandkids when it would have been perfectly safe to sit in a chair at a park and watch them play, talk to them, and see their faces, even if they kept at a bit of a distance. Apparently, three feet would have been just fine and refrained from hugs and, and all of that. And I know a lot of people listening hear that and think, oh my gosh, that is so extreme and ridiculous. But that is missing the point. My point is that even for the most COVID conscious people, those who were most afraid, there were absolutely things they could have done to keep seeing their loved ones, keep living their lives without putting themselves at risk. I read an article a little while back in, of all places, The Atlantic, that I actually found really interesting and well-written. It was called Five Pandemic Mistakes We Keep Repeating by Zeynep Tufeki. And if you can get past some of the blatantly leftist lines, it is The Atlantic after all, um, a lot of really good points were made. The author spoke, for example, about the shaming that took place against anyone who engaged in any activity whatsoever. The constant news reports shaming people who went to the beach or wanted to take their kids to a park. And what this author said, which is 100% accurate, was that people simply took their socialization indoors, away from the scolding eyes of the general public. Instead of visiting with friends at the park, they went into their living rooms, which according to the experts was the worst thing you could possibly have done. Specifically, I want to read a section that talks about harm reduction. Okay, this is what the author says about harm reduction. I'm reading right from the article. Amidst all the mistrust and the scolding, a crucial public health concept fell by the wayside. Harm reduction is the recognition that if there is an unmet and yet crucial human need, we cannot simply wish it away. We need to advise people on how to do what they seek to do more safely. Risk can never be completely eliminated. Life requires more than futile attempts to bring risk down to zero. Pretending we can will away complexities and trade-offs with absolutism is counterproductive. As Julia Marcus, an epidemiologist and associate professor at Harvard Medical School, told me, again, this is the author writing, when officials assume that risks can be easily eliminated, they might neglect the other things that matter to people. Staying fed and housed, being close to loved ones, or just enjoying their lives. Public health works best when it helps people find safer ways to get what they need and want. Socializing is not a luxury. Kids need to play with one another, and adults need to interact. Your kids can play together outdoors, and outdoor time is the best chance to catch up with your neighbors. Is not just a sensible message. It's a way to decrease transmission risks. Some kids will play and some adults will socialize no matter what the scolds say or public health officials decree, and they'll do it indoors out of sight of the scolding. That is exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. Okay, when a year ago, people were getting shamed on the nightly news every single week for or every single night, really, for not wearing a mask on an outdoor hiking trail when they were six more than six feet away from somebody. Or, you know, they kept showing, you know, images of the beaches and oh my goodness, look at all these people going to the beaches and they were shaming them and they closed all of the neighborhood parks. Okay, what did people do? All right, people were still going to socialize. People were still going to live their lives. They just took it in side where they weren't going to end up with their faces plastered on the seven o'clock news. Okay. So, and that is exactly what happened. And so if they wanted people to not transmit this virus, okay, that is what they should have been pushing is people get outdoors. Okay. Which is really a really healthy thing for you to do, even not COVID related, but get outdoors, go outside and do it that way. 
As I have been saying all along, the restrictions and rules that have been put in place by our leadership during this pandemic are not reasonable. It is not reasonable to tell people not to see their loved ones for over a year. It is not reasonable to deny children socialization or adults for that matter. It is not reasonable to expect that people give up a year of their lives. And because it wasn't reasonable, many people didn't do it. And the truth is, we didn't have to. Life will never be at a zero risk. So the best you can do is minimize your risk and perform constant cost benefit analysis. The only way to completely guarantee that my family will not die in a car accident is to never get into a car. Whenever I put my family into a car to go somewhere, I am putting them at a potential risk. So why do I do that? Because the trade-off is living life. We use our seatbelts. The kids have weight appropriate car seats. We drive safely and unimpaired, but we still get in the car and go out to see the world, to make memories and to have experiences. There was really no reason for the extreme life-shattering lockdowns that we saw over the last year. And I'm not really talking about government level decisions right now. I'm talking about individual ones because as individual average Americans, that is all we can do, control our own decisions. From very early on in this pandemic situation, my husband and I said to ourselves, okay, there are a lot of things we can't do right now. Let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the things we can do. We can see whatever family and friends that we want who also want to see us. And if you were very COVID conscious, you could have, had, you could have done that too by taking the visits outdoors. We can go on hikes. We go camping. We can go to the beach, go to local farms, go for bike rides, and even take a road trip. We can do those things. So we did them. When I look on the last year of my life, my family lived. Sure, we lived differently in many ways, but we still lived. We lived, we learned lessons, and we grew as human beings. I think that one of the telltale signs of people who live generally happy lives are those who can look at the challenges that you face in life and view them as opportunities. Because make no mistake, the challenges will come. This past year threw the whole world into some of the very same challenges at the same time. But really, the challenges we face in life are faced by many people, if not everyone at some point. The death of a loved one, illness, job loss, divorce. The death of a loved one, illness, job loss, divorce, personal conflicts. These are all challenges that exist in our world. But the question we each have to ask ourselves is, did we learn something? Did we grow in character? Did we use our trouble to help someone else? Did we make a positive change in our lives as the result of the challenge? If you standing here today would say that you are the exact same person that you were one year ago after everything that has happened, then I kindly suggest to you that you need some serious self-reflection. I'm not saying that in a judging or accusatory way, but in a tough love sort of way. The challenges we face in this world are designed to teach us something. And for those of us who are willing to put in the work to discover what that is, life will be good, even through the hardships and the struggles, because we can find the good that comes out of it. I cannot say this strongly enough. Go live your life, whether you whether you are vaccinated or not. Go live your life. There are plenty of things that you can do, even if you are worried about COVID. But human interaction and socialization is not an afterthought. It is not the cherry on top. It is a foundational part of what it takes to be a healthy human being. No one would say that if you went to the dentist twice a year and brushed and flossed every single day, but neglected every other aspect of your health, that you would be a healthy human being. In the same way, protecting yourself from getting COVID is simply not enough to be healthy. You need a balanced, social, active, purposeful life. And if you don't have that, make a change right now and go get it. All right, 
today we're going to do something a little bit different. Instead of doing three questions, we are going to do um, a couple of comments that came on our Instagram um, that I guess they do have some questions in there, but some of them are questions and some of them are comments. So our first comment comes from Instagram user Chow Santos. A private business requiring a vaccine isn't a mandate. Who is mandating it? Okay, so this was something that I definitely saw a lot of. Um, I've been seeing a lot of recently is that people are saying, you know, hey, we don't believe that this vaccine should be mandating mandated. And a lot of people are saying, who's mandating it? Nobody's mandating it. Okay, and sure enough, as I mentioned, the federal government has come out and said, we will not be mandating that anybody take the COVID vaccine. Fauci has come out and said that he does not support a mandate for the COVID vaccine. However, it is not true that people are not mandating it or planning on mandating it, okay? So I think I saw today there were at least like 14 to 16 universities and colleges that have already come out and said that they will be mandating it, that people, uh, students will not be allowed to attend in-person classes if they are not vaccinated. Um, and so that is a private business mandate. So that's one thing. Um, and, and a lot of people are pointing out, you know, hey, if it's a private business, they're a private business, they can do what they want. But it's not just a private business. The Los Angeles Unified School district has already said, they said this a while ago, actually, that the minute that these vaccines are approved for children, they will be requiring all of their students in the LAUSD district to to become vaccinated in order to attend class in person. Um, well, that's not private. That's that's a public school system. That's a system that is supposed to be available to everybody. And so that is something that so, so so it is being mandated. OK, so people who say it isn't being mandated. Well, it's not being mandated by the government, per se, as of right now. But that doesn't mean that it is not being mandated by either private businesses and organizations or parts of the government because a public school district is a part of the government. That's who is mandating it. Now, in terms of private businesses mandating it, one of the pe- things that people have been like kind of arguing about is this idea that, you know, hey, if it's a private business and they mandate it, then, you know, if you don't like it, you can just go somewhere else. You don't have to go there. And that's true. I mean, that's absolutely true. If let's say Vons decides that they're going to mandate that all of their employees and customers, you know, have this vaccine, then I mean, I can just stop at a shop at Stater Brothers if Stater Brothers isn't doing that. The problem arises when all of the businesses have this same mandate where they, now it's like, OK, so I can't go grocery shopping unless I have this vaccine. It's also a whole different ballpark, whether you're talking about customers or whether you are talking about employees. That is a completely different story, because, yes, I could choose to not go into a store that mandates the vaccine, but it's a completely different story when we're talking about employers who are pressuring their employees to get the vaccine. And this is something that I have actually been hearing. I hear I know there's two specific people who I know personally whose employers are not yet mandating it, but they are really putting the pressure on people to get vaccinated. And one of them is specifically they are their their organization is talking about implementing a mandate on employers. That is a different ballpark. Okay, it is not that easy to just go up, pick up and go get a new job, especially in a situation like ours, where we have a very strugglingly recovering, trying to recover economy. Okay. The economy is trying to recover, but it is definitely far from being anywhere near considered recovered. And so this idea that people, you know, it's okay to deprive people of their livelihoods or force people to get this vaccine. Um, Otherwise they will be deprived of their livelihoods. I think that that is very problematic. That's something that we are now talking about serious ramifications on people's lives. And I think what we need to be very aware of is people who really don't want this vaccine, they're not going to get the vaccine. And as I mentioned earlier, any 
indication that there is any force whatsoever for them to get the vaccine, you know what you're going to start seeing, guys, is you're going to start seeing a healthy black market for COVID vaccination cards. You're going to start seeing a lot of counterfeit and fake COVID vaccination cards. Because when you put people in a situation where you say, hey, inject this drug into your body that you don't feel comfortable injecting, otherwise you're going to get lose your job, <clears throat> which is the way that you feed your family and pay your mortgage and, you know, provide for your children. Uh, people are going to be like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, hey, 50 bucks on the black market and I can buy a, co- a COVID card or, you know, you can figure out how to how to do it yourself. Guess what? That's what they're going to do. That's what they're going to do. And that's what we're going to start seeing. So I just think that there, there's really no good thing, I think, that comes out of mandating the vaccine. I think it's going to cause way more problems than just saying, you know what, let it be, let it be voluntary. And if you, you know, want it, get it. And here are all the reasons why you should get it if if you want to go that route. But I think that mandating it is just, it's just a recipe for disaster. All right. Our second comment comes from Instagram user uh, Seth, please. He says, almost every school in the, in the country mandates a range of vaccines in order to attend. Why is this different? So this is a really interesting thing for me because this is a topic in which my personal opinion has actually uh, shifted from how it was before. So I've always been somebody who is very pro-vaccine, very pro-vaccine. Like I've mentioned, my entire family is vaccinated. Uh, My kids are all vaccinated. And I was someone who actually was like, yeah, hey, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with schools, public schools requiring these vaccines, because again, it goes back to what I said was, I think the strongest argument for vaccination, which is you're protecting kids who can't get the vaccine. You're protecting other students who, you know, maybe are cancer survivors or whatnot and they can't get the vaccine. Okay. And I think it's a it's a decent argument. However, there is a difference between the other vaccines that we that we have out and this COVID vaccine. Okay. So first of all, for instance, my children have the chickenpox vaccine. They had the measles vaccine, okay? And even the polio vaccine, which I think was a obviously a wonderful thing to to be to be discovered, there was no huge rush to have these vaccines created in order for a society to start functioning again. Okay. So obviously, for example, with polio, polio was a horrific disease. It affected children even worse than adults. It affected, it it was, everybody was at at equal risk of polio. Okay. So it's not like COVID where the risks vary extremely, you know, widely. Um, It was, it was something that was, everybody was at risk for. And the, but, but even then society was not shut down. Economies were not shut down. Schools were not shut down. Their life was going on. And obviously they wanted to find a cure for polio because it was such a horrific disease. However, the the functioning aspect of Western civilization or the entire planet Earth was not relying on the creation of this vaccine. So I think that that is something that, that really matters to a lot of people is that there was a very profound ulterior motive to getting this vaccine out as quickly as possible, which is we can't open up society or even think about opening up society, opening up schools, getting people back to work, getting people back to living their lives until we have a vaccine that is highly effective and that is widely, widely adopted. And so I think that that is a part of the difference. Every vaccine that I put into my children had been out for many years before I put it into them. And so I knew what all the potential side effects were. I knew what the risks were. Um, And so this is different because this is extraordinarily new. And I know that people, you know, a lot of the people say they say there was no rushing this vaccine. There were no shortcuts that were taken in terms of safety and all of that. 
that's fine. But it's still a very new vaccine. And considering that they have now had two pauses in distribution of the vaccine due to health concerns that have come up that they didn't know about before, due to the fact that they can't even tell you how long that the protection lasts, meaning that they don't know what these vaccines look like in the human body a year after being taken, they don't know that. And if they're telling you they know that, they're not telling you the truth because they don't know that. I think that we definitely need to have a much wider leeway in order to, you know, talk about what vaccines need to be mandated to attend public schools. Uh, All of that being said, I've actually changed my position on this. I don't think that public schools should be allowed to mandate uh, vaccines. I don't think that they should be allowed to. And again, I'm very pro-vaccine. I think that vaccines are great. I think that you should vaccinate your kids unless your doctor gives you a specific health reason not to. I think that you absolutely should vaccinate your kids. But I, I actually don't believe that it's something that should be mandated. I just don't. I think that people should have the right to take it or to not take it. OK, so our third comment comes from Instagram user SF Dog Walker. So much for my body, my choice, people. Be on the lookout for freedoms being stripped away as states continue to force people to get the vaccine to return to normalcy. Again, we want to be completely honest, as honest as we possibly can be. And so states are actually not, as of right now, there are no states that are requiring people to get the vaccine. There is no forcing people to get the vaccine. Um, Here in California, I mean, I live in California, which is the bluest of the blue state. We've had some of the most extreme lockdowns and mask mandates and all that. Our numbers are are really good right now. The the COVID numbers are really good. And we actually are seeing quite a quick return to some sense of normalcy. We are seeing a lot of things open up uh, pretty quickly over the last month or so. And so um, I I think that, you know, on on the right, we also have to be very careful that we are not overstating things. Okay, because the minute that we exaggerate, the minute that we overstate things, the minute we say things that are not true and not factually accurate, we are I mean, we're just as guilty as the left who do it when they do that. You know, we, we and and you're also giving people a lot of ammunition to say, look at these right wing extremists who are, you know, saying all these things that are not true. OK, here here is the truth there, As of right now, there is no state that is forcing anyone to get the vaccine. There is no government uh, agency other than LAUSD, which absolutely is a government agency saying that they're going to force people to get the vaccine. We are talking about, you know, the ramifications of private businesses doing it and what that is going to lead to, which, again, is going to be fake vaccination cards. But we're also, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about it in a way where we don't want it to ever happen. OK, and it is something that really cannot ever happen. I mean, and when I say cannot, I mean, we the people need to make sure that it is not allowed to happen. We cannot have the government force medications on people or for force vaccines on people. Um, now, you, she did say this person, I don't know if it's a he or she, but she did say in order to return to normalcy. Yeah. I mean, look, there's there's as individual Americans, there's only so much we have control over. And that was kind of what I was talking about in the end of my comments today is there's only so much that we have control over. We don't have control over when the government decides to open up theme parks, for example. We don't have a lot of control for when the government decides to allow restaurants to open up. Uh, What we do have control over is what we as individuals do. And we can I mean, don't get me wrong. Go vote. Okay, go vote for the people who are going to give you freedom instead of the people who are going to take your freedom away. Uh, You know, go protest, go, you know, march and do all that. I think that's all great. But really, at the end of the day, what we have control over is what we as individual people can do. And so, you know, really, the truth is, is that whatever they're saying that you're allowed or not allowed to do, 
I mean, you're allowed to do a lot more than what they're saying that you're allowed to do. So you are absolutely allowed to gather with people who do not live in your household who are not vaccinated. Okay, it's like this thing where they say, oh, you know, now people who are vaccinated can gather with people, other people outside of their household now. It's like, I mean, come on, guys, like we, we could do that before, you know, and they say people, you know, who are vaccinated can travel. I mean we could do that before. (laughs) Like that's, that's, you know, so, so we really, you really need to be able to cut through all that to say, okay, well they're using these words, but really I can do these things. Like I can do a lot of these things, uh, whether or not that they say that I can do it. So yes, it is a concern that they are going to, you know, not allow us to return to full normalcy until a certain percentage of the population has taken the vaccine. And and I do actually think, just to make kind of a little bit of a prediction, I do actually think that we are going to see this happen really quick here where we're going to go from a situation where demand outstrips vaccine supply to the complete opposite, which is where supply outstrips vaccine demand. And I actually think that we are already seeing this, but it's not extremely obvious as they are, as all of these states across the country are lowering the age uh, requirement for people to get vaccinated as all of these different states are saying, okay, hey, yeah, now, you know, we're going to, we're going to open up this pool. We're going to get more, let more and more people get vaccinated. Um, you know, they're touting that as this like, oh, it's just that it's just us making progress. We're making progress. But I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder sometimes if one of the reasons that they're doing that is because they're not getting enough people to take these vaccines that are in those specific categories that were opened up first. And, you know, these vaccines have a shelf life. They have to be used. And and don't get me wrong. I think that's great. I think that like the, the, the faster we can open up these vaccines to the people, everybody who wants one, um, I think we should. And I think that's great. But I do think that this is where we are going to start see pressure coming down is when they we get to a point where everybody who's gotten who has who wants a vaccine has gotten it. And we only have 50 percent of the population or 60 or 70 percent of the population vaccinated. And they're like, well, hey, we need 80 percent, 90 percent. That's where things are going to get really interesting. That's where we are going to when once we get to that point, I think that that's where we're actually going to see how strong the pressure is going to be and what is going to come to light in terms of mandates and in terms of, you know, yeah, the government's not going to issue a mandate, but are they going to pressure businesses and organizations to say, hey, we will not serve you if you are not vaccinated. You cannot get you fly our airline if you are not vaccinated. You cannot rent cars through our company if you're not vaccinated. These are the kinds of things that we that's when we're going to start to see. It's going to go one way or another, I think. I think it's either going to get to a point where they're going to say, okay, Hey, it's just like the flu shot. Um, If you want it, it's here for you. And, you know, we've done the best that we can. (laughs) Or it's going to go in that direction where they're going to say not enough people have gotten this vaccine willingly. So now we have to see how we can kind of push people really and pressure people into taking it. So that's something that I think really over the next month or two, we're going to see kind of what direction that is going to go in. And it's going to be really interesting to see how things play out and how the American people react to all of that. Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to talk about where we are in the COVID-19 situation. I will be back next week with another deep dive into issues affecting American life from the perspective of just an American. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps each and every week. Also, please share this episode with a family member or a friend so we can help spread the word. You can follow me on Twitter at JJ American. 
You can also message the show by sending an email to jj at imjustanamerican.com or visiting our Locals page at imjustanamerican.locals.com. You can also follow the show on Instagram at imjustanamerican. This episode was produced and edited by Brian White. Music for this episode was written and performed by Michael Beatty.